0: What is up, my friends? This is The Zim, and we're checking out MFA Chronicles podcast. Do, do, do. I should make like a, a theme, like an intro theme, like a 70s sitcom intro theme. No, I'm not I'm not going to do that. Um, so here we are with uh, Danny Kwan um, talking about art. But before we talk with Danny, I had to uh have announcements to make and um usually i five minutes or less so if you don't want to hear me talk and you want to get straight with danny then feel free to skip ahead five minutes you'll start hearing two voices not just mine then you know when it's started um so check it out first off is you know pandemic we are living in it be safe be healthy wear your mask social distance do the stuff do the stuff second thing is um don't forget to vote and donate when it's appropriate, it's always appropriate to donate, and it's appropriate to vote when it's time to vote. And um, we just had a time to vote, so hopefully you voted. So if you haven't and you still need, to, or if you if you haven't, then get on it. Let's do it. If you haven't, weren't old enough <laughs> when we did, um, then register to vote. So when you're when it's time that you can, you're ready to go. So let's do it. I'm an advocate, firm believer that voting and donating are the two of the best paths toward progress and change in our country. So if you want to see progress and change, if you want to see a world a better place, our society a better place, voting and donating are the ways to do it. In the description of this podcast, I have two links. One is a link to learn more about registering to vote. And the other one is a link to um, uh, a New York Magazine article that has a bunch of links to communities of color that need support. So check it out. Do it up. Let's make it happen. All right, what's next? What's next? So you're kind of in luck, maybe. I might not hit my whole five minutes because I recorded this uh, intro um, about 24 hours before I published the podcast because I uh, recorded this with Danny on Friday, February 5th, and I'm publishing it on Saturday, February 6th, 2021. because I did two podcasts today, and one of them's already live. I've recorded two, and I'm just trying to get ahead of the game. So I, you know, tomorrow I have less to do. This is all ready to go. It's all just all I have to do is hit publish. Um, so hopefully, there won't be anything significant. Well, actually, how should I phrase this? I hope something amazing happens that I want to re-record this intro. <laughs> so I will doing be doing all this for not, but. At the same time, hopefully um I don't have to re-record the intro so I can just do it because or I'll just wait till next time or whatever because if something amazing happens that I really want you to know about within the next like probably less than 24 hours to be honest within the next like 12 hours or so 16 hours um yeah yeah that's the that's the risk I'm running right now that's the risk I'm running but anyways that's all I wanted to say. Thanks a lot for hanging out. We got MFA chronicles.com is the website. You can check it out. Learn more about the podcast links to all the places I got. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the places, love your support, following all those things. And then also, um, it's patrion.com slash the Zim is where you can support the podcast and all the things creative that I'm working on. So patreon.com slash the zim and at the end of the podcast i do what i call credit reel so we'll get to that at the very end with all the current patreon supporters and uh thanks a lot all right let's get on with this conversation with danny hi Hi.
1: how's it going good how are you pretty good we made it to friday once again
0: we made it to friday tgif right (laughs) i do I do look for it. Do you look for it? Are you, so how how much of your world is built around a Monday through Friday weekend orientation? Is it at all? I mean, or is there some, because we're in grad school, maybe it, it does allow weekends to actually exist? I don't know.
1: Mm, maybe, maybe one day out of the weekend <laughs> exists, uh, but more often than not, it's filled with homework.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've... I'm kind of making my weekend Thursday night. (laughs) I don't even get a whole day. I just get one. I just get half. Because it's like, you know, the way my schedule worked out this semester, most of my, I don't have any classes on Friday. And I don't. um, Oh, that's good. And, but I typically fill it up with like, Stuff like this, you know,
2: yeah, <laughs> and, and like yeah.
0: and like other things. So Friday, even though, and then the weekend becomes the time where I need to work on the projects I'm doing for school. So it's like, okay, where do I fit in the chill, like do nothing time?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know, right? So I feel like just the nature of an MFA program, it's like you got so much stuff to do, and you know, so much time in the day you gotta sacrifice something, right? Or multiple things, whether that be leisure time or sleep like me, so.
0: (laughs) You do the sleep, you're like, I can do it. I I used to be, I don't know, I was just actually just talking to another friend of mine uh, the other day, and um, yesterday, and uh, you know, I'm 43, so that plays a role in in this stuff for sure. And when I was in my 20s, I could skip a day basically, like I could just not sleep for a day and it wouldn't be a big deal. but but now it's like if I don't get proper sleep I am messed up I like I'm like feel sick and I feel like it's like though I'm like what is going on
1: (laughs) I'm like I'm heading into my 30s so I'm starting to feel like I can't sacrifice as much sleep now I ended up I end up like becoming dizzy the next day or whatever like so but like I gotta get stuff done, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. You just gotta be smart about it, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. like it's interesting. It's totally interesting. I wanna do like a you know, we've already started warming up a little bit with um, you know, I don't know, icebreakers questions, but I wanna do like a uh, not quite lightning round, but kind of lightning round, just basic get to know you questions to start sure. off and see where we go. Um so I just have a list here. Uh, Favorite movie or TV show or something you watch in a screen on a screen.
1: Favorite movie has to be young Frankenstein and has been for most of my life. Nostalgic uh, humor. (laughs) Feels are real. Who's the uh,
0: who's the main comedian in that one? Or am I thinking I'm probably thinking of something else. But who's who's like the main actor in that?
1: Well, it. It's directed by, or, you know, created by Mel Brooks. Yeah, that's and who I was thinking um, of. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, shoot. What's his name? Hugh Milder is okay. the main actor.
0: Yeah, Mel Brooks is who I was thinking of. I was like, that's a Mel yeah. Brooks. That's, you know, that's good. That's good. Okay, cool. Um, favorite? do you have a bu- book or something you like to read or favorite or something you're currently into?
1: I have a lot. Um, one book that I actually have like a collection of um is the great gatsby oh wow um and i started accumulating like different editions from different decades and from like different countries so i have like a little little collection growing Um, but you know apart from like novels uh i really am in love with the graphic novel series called the sandman okay by neil gaiman
0: okay I'll have to check that out. I don't know about That's that great. one. I don't think I know about that one.
1: I Netflix just picked it up for a series, so they're in the midst of casting. So I'm really excited.
0: <laughs> I uh, I just recently watched The Watchmen, the HBO one. Okay, yeah. Which you know it comes from a graphic novel, um, as well. But uh, yeah, I'm not super. I like. Do you like comics in general, or is there specific types of graphic novels that you you'll even consider?
1: Yeah, I, I do like comic books in general, but I gravitate more towards or less towards like superhero centric mm-hmm. um graphic novels. So more, I don't know, artsier independent type stories. Mm-hmm. But I was on a huge Batman kick for a while there. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, yeah, I mean and he, he's got one, what is it? The um is it just called The Dark Knight or something? That that's like one of the quintessential graphic novels is his like old old batman whatever it is you know i don't know yeah
1: yeah there, i mean there's several like really prominent arcs um yeah. but um i don't remember if the huge franchise that christopher nolan yeah. did i think that was just kind of like a spin-off i don't remember if it's like taking a lot from comic book source material in terms of storyline
0: yeah, I don't know either. I don't know enough about it. I, actually, I can't remember. <laughs> I actually just watched all of the dark, the the Christopher Nolan Batmans like like a week ago. Like, I was Oh, like, wow. I was like, let me, let me, because I got, it's on, so I have, like I said, Watchmen. I just recently got HBO Max to to be able to watch actually for Wonder Woman when it came out.
2: And, okay, yeah.
0: And um, so I just have it now. And so every once in a while, I'm like, let me binge something. <laughs> so it was, I didn't do it all in one setting. But I did like the first movie and then a few days later I, I think I did back to back No did I go back to back I can't remember but I watched all of them. I might have gone back to back with the the last two, but I can't remember all they're right. all great <laughs> yeah totally um food what's your favorite jam when it comes to food? what do you like to eat or cook or do you have a place you like to go out to like where are you at with food?
1: um I grew up. Uh, spending most of my weekends in LA's Chinatown, so I my favorite food is is or I guess meal is dim sum, uh, but there's a specific dish um, called chiang fun, and it's like a roll of rice noodle with like either beef or shrimp inside, and it's delicious. Highly recommend. So <laughs> okay,
0: you have to. So I'm not. To, on the up and up with like what, like dim sum is like a culture. There's like a whole kind of thing around it that I've I personally have never really experienced. I don't think ever. Maybe I did on accident, but I didn't know what was going on or something. Could you break down what dim sum means? Like, what is it? What is it about?
1: Uh, if I could like relate it to like maybe a European experience, it'd be like you're having tea. So you're you're drinking tea and you're eating a bunch of like small, you know, type plates. But dim sum is usually consistent of like more like steamed dumplings. Okay. So rather than like I don't know cucumber sandwiches, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't,
0: yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so, it's, so it's around dumplings and it feels more like a tea experience. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know I'm I'm Asian American and my you know my family there's a bit of like a, you know, assimilation going on. So I'm not like the expert in these cultural practices. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I have the experience being a child and just spending those like weekend, like kind of brunch hours with my family, like this communal shared meal. So it's, you know, rooted in this kind of like shared experience.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, um? do you, do you ever prac? Do you do it like in within your household, um, the dim sum experience, or do you do you have a spot that you like to go to?
1: I do have a spot. I love to go to. Um, it's called Ocean Seafood. Um, I'm not really sure how it's doing in the pandemic situation. A lot of yeah. um, Chinatown and Little Tokyo, um, all of them are really struggling because it's a lot of you know smaller businesses. There. Um, I've also been really like grappling with some emotions in terms of how much of Chinatown is being gentrified right Mm. now, um, where it feels like as I get older, I start to lose the memories I had, but I'm also, also at the same time, like the physical places are, are leaving too. Right. So it's, it's an interesting, like mental, like. I don't know, exploration going on in my head of like, this is, it feels sad, but how do you stop it? You know? So, but in terms of like having dim sum in the home, we actually, I'm in Ventura now. um, And uh, we found a place here that serves dim sum on the weekends, which is, I think is pretty rare outside of like LA or, you know, further down in the valleys. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been having dim sum at home quarantining.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> it's been really nice. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, geez, I can't read my own writing. Let me see. Um, what did that say? Give me, I, I wrote it down from somewhere else. Hang on one second. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I could skip to another one, but I just want to keep it in order for some reason. Oh, pet peeve. Do you have a pet peeve? Something that
2: oh.
0: what annoys you? What what is something that like you're like oh my god, I don't know if you want to tell me because I have some, and uh, but the last time I I did this exercise, I was like you know a lot of mine are borderline on that judgy area. <laughs> like I get okay. you know I get like it's more of just like this judgment rather than an, I don't know, but <laughs> you know so
1: okay, I have two yeah, one is one doesn't like grind my gears too much, um, but it's a little frustrating when you're talking with folks and you can tell the only thing that they're doing is like thinking of the next thing they're going to say. <laughs> so that's oh. something that bothers me.
2: Oh,
0: oh, I better keep making it not look like I'm thinking what I want to <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know, in that, in that kind of natural conversation setting, but, um, and then I guess the one that, Like, I I get like, is when you open a door for somebody, and sorry to make it about gender here, but if I open a door for a man, Mm -hmm. and when he refuses to go in, and he just makes you wait until (laughs) you go underneath his armpit into the building, (laughs) rather than just going in.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I see that. that. That's, we'll probably maybe get into some of that as we go on this conversation about your art for sure. Um, Cool. Thanks. Uh, Guilty pleasure. Do you have a a band that you like, a music, something that you, if you're willing to say you could pass to, you could be like, no, I'm going to keep this one close to the chest. I don't know. I like Katy Perry. Mm -hmm. That's, that could be a guilty pleasure for a lot of people, but (laughs) I don't, I'm, I kind of don't feel like I necessarily have, What was I thinking? There was something I was thinking about when I wrote this down. Uh, maybe it'll come to me, but that's an example. Like I like pop music for sure. I don't, I'm, but I don't have as much of like, a, I don't care if people know, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I guess in terms of feeling maybe guilty about it. um, I love ice cream, but I'm also like lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah. So I just make myself feel bad trying to enjoy something. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> How much, how, so I've discovered I have, lactose intolerant tendencies, it's not like super yeah. bad, but it's like if I do if I eat like a, a bunch of something, I get I'm like, oh god, that's not good. But if I just have like one scoop of ice cream, I'm I'm okay.
1: So yeah. are, are
0: you able to like do that? Just like have one scoop and be cool? Or is it like yes
1: yeah, so it it kind of depends. Like if I have like a more it's interesting, right? If I have a more high quality ice cream, I'm usually okay it's not that bad but if I have like soft serve or whatever like tons of sugar I'm like done
0: yeah no, <laughs> I'm i suffering it's probably yeah no I I pretty much you know stick to Hagen dazs these days it's like it's like they're just like pure ingredients and like yeah let's go yum I don't
1: know if you've ever heard of the company McConnell's I think they're California based they're expensive so you know in you know, in the grocery store in terms of, like, ice cream, right? Um, But once in a while, I'll buy a pint and just savor it for months.
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually, so I try to do that. I'm such a, like, what is the word? Almost, like, manic, whatever the equivalent of, like, eating, and and ideas, like, made that manic-depressant kind of, like, extreme kind of idea where it's, like... I like binge out or I don't do any, I'm like super like, and I'm right. I just on this line of like, I'm tomorrow, I'm starting this whole like fitness and food thing that I'm just like 30 day challenge. Go. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but I just fit it. I like, I like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I had a a thing of ice cream and I threw it half of it out because I was like, no, can't do it. I got it. Can't do it. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, totally. It's like, you know, you don't want to waste your money, but at the same time, you got to look out for yourself, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I got two more, two more of these kind of whatever weird lightning ish roundish questions. And this one, we might circle back around on this one or not, because it could relate to your, uh, your artwork from what I've seen online and stuff. But um, do you have a preferred social media platform?
1: um yeah i mean instagram is has been like the one that i've used the most um i actually yesterday for like a a zine piece i've been like working on i went back to facebook and looked through all of my old like posts and stuff like that and i was i was writing about that and i was like i am so glad i don't have to be on facebook anymore (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't know i you know with what purpose it served as i was younger and then how it's evolved into what it is now i i just feel like um it's just trouble (laughs) so but um instagram has been my favorite way of um you know posting my artwork being able to put down my thoughts as well, um, for people, you know, it's optional to read, right? Um and then connecting with friends on there too.
0: Do you mess around at all with uh Twitter on Twitter or TikTok or Snapchat?
1: No, so I had a Twitter a long time ago and it felt the same as Facebook, yeah. where I was just like writing like asinine nonsense, <laughs> right? So um I kind of like moved away from there and then um, no TikTok. And uh, I just re-downloaded Snapchat because I'm exploring how to create um, like social media AR filters mm-hmm. for like, your, you know, putting stuff on your face or like 3D objects.
0: Cool, cool. That makes sense. Well, we gotta get nerdy on that in a little bit or whenever. Okay. <laughs> AR filters, I'll write it down. Hopefully we'll remember to come back to it or it'll just come up naturally. Um, Okay, last one. Something that you do that you know you do different than most people. Uh, this is what my example is pretty basic. But when I'm writing my alphabet, I um don't. So if, when I'm writing the letter D, I start in the middle, right, and circle up. But then I don't bring the line back down. I just go. I just like the la- lowercase d so ah interesting
1: okay 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 i understand I yeah understand. it's
0: just like this like circle up you know so do you have mm. do you have anything that you know that you do like this little idiosyncrasy that you're like you know, i don't know it could even be like maybe it's a phrase that you say all the time that from a movie or maybe it's like a uh i don't know something that you do the way you put dishes like another thing i do so i grew up in a household that was under construction a lot and so we would. I started to learn that dust and stuff would get into cups and bowls and things. So yeah. when, whenever I would get a cup out of the cupboard, I would blow into it, and I still do that to this day. Oh, okay, okay. Even if you know <laughs> to blow out the dust and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, anything? Can you think of?
1: Mm, it's a it's a tough one. I i want to say there's a couple of things because i am a little bit particular about. yeah Yeah,
2: good let's go
1: but um you saying phrases uh i kind of like adopted this older phrase from my mom where she says hell's bells it's like a curse um (laughs) i don't hear anybody else saying that these days yeah yeah. um (laughs) but i'm also like like a ridiculous to-do list maker like i have like so many books. I have it on my computer. I have like to like tons of like notebooks, like just filled with lists.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a list person too. I've I have a whiteboard right over here, full of lists. Yeah, every, <laughs> every yeah, every, too many. Yeah. No, I think I saw on one of your iterations. So you recently updated your website, right?
1: Uh. Yeah, yeah, not too long ago.
0: Because when I first was invest in researching you, your website it was totally different, which I want to um ask you more about. But I noticed you had these like videos or something where you were like panning through your studio, and I saw these like lists and things, and you know, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, oh okay, I like it.
2: Yeah, this is, yeah,
0: this is good. Um, cool. That that's our that's our you know icebreaker, get to know whatever thing. Uh, I think we did a good job there. No. Yeah. If there's anything else on that topic that comes up, just shout it out. Go like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." There's this other thing yeah. I do. I know. <laughs> I used to do this thing when um, I had a lot of phrases I would say. One was like "fresh fresh." I always say "fresh fresh" for some reason. Like, and and people started to like no two phrase. They they would start to say it back to me like "fresh fresh." You know, it's like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it. That was like when I was in like eighth grade or something. Um, and then, kind of. I don't know, like 10 years or more, you know, not too long ago, but long ago. um, Somebody would say something about something, and I would always respond with, You would. It was kind of like this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's borderline jerky, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's like somebody would say, "Hey, I'm going to the store." You would. <laughs> it's like I don't know. And they they started that's silly. They started saying it back to me again. I was like, and then it kind of dawned on me. It was like, oh, that's that's so I'm I'm weird, but
1: that's funny. <laughs> uh, oh, I guess there might be. I don't know if other people do this. I haven't talked to any about anybody about it, but I will when I get to know somebody as like a friend i will start to imitate their laughter like it just comes naturally and then i notice later on that i'm like oh i'm laughing like this person now like why like it's so random i laugh a lot as yeah. i'm sure you've noticed <laughs> on <around laughs> our limited time together so i don't know i just kind of like adopt it and just go
0: that's funny because that's actually not what you're describing but laughter for me is something that is one of those things like that I do maybe I don't know where it falls on this list of things I asked you but but I changed my laugh growing up I I intentionally I intentionally changed it because I used to like fall out of my chair laugh spazoid laugh like when people (laughs) when something funny would happen like uncontrollably like and then so I I kind of I was like starting to feel kind of self-conscious about it. So right. I I changed it to this kind of like inside my chest, kind of back of my throat laugh. So I kind of, I, I don't know if I can do it right now, but it's just kind of like a, it's like inside <laughs> of me more. I don't know. I,
1: yeah. I pick, yeah. Yeah. You contained it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Something. <laughs> so what, what do you tell people? Um, like when it comes to explaining your art and, and what you do, Like, what do you, how do you, how do you tell people what's your kind of like way to define yourself as an artist? And do you have multiple ways to say it? Like when I've kind of discovered through this, this podcast and just being a art student and having to talk, have this conversation a lot, um, it can kind of change based on your audience. Like if you're talking to family members, you might say one thing, but if you're talking to your cohort or your professors, you might, you might say it in a different way, do you have multiple ways of saying what it is you do? And and if so, like, what are they?
1: I feel like, yes, there are like certain shifts or like you, you put emphasis on different things depending on your audience for sure. Um, but I feel like I have multiple just because I'm like always changing, right? Mm. Like I don't really stick to one medium or one thing idea concept I really like to like branch out so I feel like it changes all the time (laughs) but um in terms of like you know defining myself as an artist kind of in a similar vein like if I were to segment myself into like different roles you'd say like you know as a friend I'd say I'm you know caring and supportive and I want to help people as much as I can right but like the artist side of me is more Mm self-serving right um arts for me and it allows me to like speak in a way that's more open um or like raw if that makes sense Mm -hmm. in which I struggle to do that in other aspects of life so kind of similar to like how you have to put on different hats Mm -hmm. in different audiences right in a room um which i sometimes find it ironic because my art is self-serving and like for me um sometimes i get feedback from people like telling me like how much they connected Mm -hmm. with what i had put out there you know whatever from their own experience or you know their own thoughts based on like as a feedback from the work Mm -hmm. so um but like i said earlier like i think probably maybe one of the more consistent ways i could describe myself as an artist is that like i'm always changing and like i love learning new things and trying new things so
0: yeah i want to just comment i don't know if there's really a question back at you but the comment of the self-serving idea and it seems, and maybe, maybe the question is, or maybe you already answered it, but maybe the question is, how have you experienced, spe- experience your personal take on how you're working with being self-serving with the reactions of people around you? And you kind of already answered some of that. But to me, it seems like there's this argument sometimes that, you know, some artists feel like they um, don't want to be too personal about it because they feel like they're i don't know what they have to say or think or do isn't interesting enough or whatever mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. there's i can't I've, I've had experiences with this just recently in in my school and I, i'm trying to remember the specific conversation but i can't really remember but essentially it's the idea that um you know i feel like i personally believe the more personal it is the more universal it becomes you know? And so have you thought of that kind of concept? Have you, have you had that conversation with yourself, even though, or ha, are, did, are you aware of it based on experience saying like something that was so personal and you thought nobody else would relate to all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh my God, this is like, so me too, you know?
1: Yes. No, for sure. I, you know, after graduating from undergrad, um, I graduated in 2013. I spent like, you know, when you graduate, you you start to lose kind of that community you had in, in your art, you know, in your art school experience, right? So I was, you know, essentially working in isolation, right? Just in like a silo and, and people didn't see my work, you know, I didn't get feedback or critique for a long time. And so, yeah, what you kind of were touching on is like, um, you know, I, it, it felt like I went on this journey of like, you know, doing more illustration and fan art and stuff like that um, where it didn't have any of my personality in it. Um, And then as I decided to apply to grad school, I was like, okay, I got to focus less on like commercial type work and like more on what I want to do in an MFA experience. And so I still had that hesitancy of like, okay, how much, how personal do I get, right? Who's going to see this? Am I going to show any of this stuff? Um, And it became like a a practice of vulnerability. And I, (laughs) you know, I've had two years of practice now doing this in my artwork. So I feel much more comfortable about being vulnerable now. But back then I had never done anything really like that before. And it it took... um, a few group shows where you know i invited my friends and you know i met new people and when i started to receive positive feedback through shows and through instagram um then i started to recognize like oh there is some sort of validation here right Mm -hmm. um in which we can argue back and forth on is validation like do we need it like (laughs) like is it important is it not you know Or this guy,
0: this guy needs a little bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know we all do. Right. Um, I I struggle between the balance of like relying on validation and, and, you know, trying to reject that mindset. Right. Yeah. So, but I hope that kind of answered.
0: No, that was great. Um, (laughs) There's two things that you said in that, that I want to kind of see if we can tangent on or whatever. First Do one, it. the first one is the vulnerability aspect. Do you feel so that if, if when, when, or if somebody asked me like, what, how should I approach graduate school? I think mm-hmm. that would be on the top of my list. Like by my yeah. experience, you know, um, I was highly encouraged to be vulnerable in the work, be person, like put myself in the work and really mm-hmm. like do that. And, and the word, the idea, the term vulnerability came up, comes up a lot. So it's like, I agree with that. Did you, I guess the question here is how did you, what was some of the pathways to do that? Were you encouraged by your, your environment to do it? Like, were you, or did, is it something that you kind of came to on your own?
1: Um, Maybe a little, maybe a little bit of both. Right. Um, I started, just with what my wants and desires were in terms of making art. You know, I, you know as I uh, got older and a little wiser, you start to kind of like look back with nostalgia goggles. And I looked back towards when I was in high school and everything I made was like, you know, these emotionally like filled paintings and drawings and stuff like that. Just getting getting that stuff out of me. So I didn't have to worry about it on like the day to day. Right? Um, so I started to look backward in multiple ways. Um, one being, I'm just going to make work that helps me get over stuff. Right? Um, and then also, too, I kind of started um, my, my interest in art was in fashion design and graphic design and web design. So I kind of was like, let's pull fashion design back in because I really loved it. And I felt like I had to abandon it somewhat in in co- my college experience because there wasn't like a program for it, right? So it's just kind of like, I naturally gravitated towards other interests away from fashion. So, you know, being older, I'm like, let's try this again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, and then, like I said earlier, you know, I started to like tiptoe around these ideas I was having, um, you know, starting to open up to people. And I had a lot of fear about posting certain things on my Instagram. Cause I didn't know, you know, the internet is full of like really negative things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Like people who don't care about you as a human being. Right. And so posting these things, I was very nervous um, to see what sorts of reactions there were. And I don't know if it's the nature of kind of being like unknown, right? Like I don't have a lot of followers so, or if it's that most of my followers, there are people that I've met or are my friends. Um, I, I received like an outpouring of like support. So I was like, okay, I feel good about this. I feel like I'm building up my resilience, right. Mm-hmm. To be vulnerable. So.
0: Yeah. That's a whole nother. I mean, she, there's a whole nother, um, well, I'll just dive into it. That idea of of who's the, the audience that's out there when you're using like social media and other internet-based kind of forms of presenting your work. And there's that chance to get, people will start to like do what you give you negative kind of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, stuff. And I mean, depending on where, how much weight you put into this, Because I know the art world, for me, it seems like the art world has a very uh, uh, conflicted relationship when it comes to the internet and social media. It's like, you know, there's a lot of artists I feel like are too feel like they're too good for it or something, so they don't want to engage with it, or I don't know what it is. But but on and at the other at the other side of it is like, well, this is kind of the world we live in, and so if you want people to see your work, you gotta have to get it out there. And there's there's many of these platforms have comments and things that people can respond to. So my take on it is if you're getting negative comments, a, you're actually doing something right. And B, it's just more engagement. And so you really can't let it affect you, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like that old adage of like, you know, you know, some in some engagement or some response is better than no response. Right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. almost one, I'm like, you know, where I'm at with stuff, like even these pod, not not so much these podcasts, but like, I put a lot of stuff out on the internet. And it's like, come on, where, where are the trolls? Come on, let's go. It's like, once you hit that (laughs) troll level, it's like, you're like, okay,
2: you're getting out there.
0: It's like, you're, what you're doing is getting out there. People are starting to troll it and just be like, so it's like, there's almost like, it's almost like this benchmark of like, success, you know? That's
1: funny. (laughs)
0: That's funny.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, It's a conundrum almost, yes.
0: right? <laughs> so the other thing that you said earlier was, well, okay, it's kind of what we're talking about, this validation idea. I'm I'm curious, um, I'm just gonna throw out again another experience of my own and see how you re- respond to it. And one of the things that I'm noticing, so I'm in my second year of graduate school and I'm noticing I'm having a difficult time and maybe it's pandemic related a little bit, but I'm having a different difficult time making doing so much work just like i mean there's a lot of ways to take this but doing so much work for just a, another critique it's like i want mm. i want it to be like i want more of that broader audience kind of interaction with what i'm doing like if i'm going to make this if i'm going to spend all this time making this thing i don't want it just to be for a critique it's like i want it to I wanna have a place to put it, a show it, like put it I mean, yeah. I put all my stuff online, but you know, like like kind of what you said, my audience, our audiences are only so big and so mm-hmm. and it's really hard <laughs> to break through the all that stuff. So it's just kinda of yeah. like I'm just like, uh so I don't know, I, I just have a little um I don't know, conflict, I don't know, idea around that. Do you do you have anything like that with the work that you're working on? Like is there any desire to have it be seen more? yet or are you just okay with it being like okay this is for grad school i don't know um
1: yeah i mean kind of taking a step back to i feel like most of us um undergrad and grad are all feeling that like how are we supposed to show our work like (laughs) you know because of the pandemic um yeah there's there's an element missing there um of of dialogue right with with random people yeah. so I, I i feel i feel that um pretty keenly um despite being you know i'm, I'm in my first year mm-hmm. so um and and kind of to add to the topic of critique i've been without like a critique uh environment for a while so i f- it feels very refreshing to me mm to have that feedback. But I I understand, like, yeah, where it feels like you're just making work to make work, I guess maybe. If that's what you're getting at. Um, or you know, for just this one end goal. Um, but I feel like with my with my personal work, um, well, let's see. I'm kind of approaching grad school right now as like yay, I get to learn more things that weren't offered in my undergrad, right? Okay. So, um, I still feel like I'm able to play and experiment and, like, absorb things like a sponge, right? Yeah. Um, so, that, you know, I had a critique last quarter, um, and it was pretty much just like, here's everything I had before I came to school. Mm-hmm. And I feel now we're in critique this quarter, and we're all like, what are we supposed to show? Yeah. <laughs> just with the nature of MFA and pandemic on top of it, like, I don't know how you're doing in terms of like, if you feel productive or if you feel like you have time to like make work, yeah. but a lot of us are feeling the, like, well, I don't even have the energy. <laughs>
0: if you don't, if you don't mind me indulging that question a little bit, I definitely have um, a thought around it. I felt very much the same way. in My first year I was like, didn't, necessarily know what I was getting into in terms of the program in terms of there's for my program there's a lot more like reading and different things like that than I thought there would be um and so that takes a lot of time all by itself and then so it's like okay and then I was also kind of new and I was you know I didn't know I didn't have this practice already that I was like I didn't have this like running start into it so I was kind of kind of starting over again in this weird kind of way so yeah I was very much in that like I don't know what I should be making right now I don't know what's going on so luckily I just kind of made my way through my first year I did a bunch of stuff I like did I had these self-imposed things like I was doing daily drawings I was kind of like doing this these practices and stuff um but when the summer hit is where I actually took everything from my first year and kind of, kind of like okay what did I? how did this school experience affect me? What do they want from me? Like, what's going on? Like, how do I do this? And when the summer hit, it just allowed me to just work. Like I didn't need to, wow, re- okay. I didn't need to read. I didn't need to do others. I could yeah. just, I just had two. like, I, I gave myself like two or three projects to finish through the summer and I finished them. And I just, so then I had like, okay, these are bodies of work that I'm like proud of that they're working right. for me. And so maybe you'll have the same, same similar experience. Like, just, just do what you can now. And then when you hit the summer, like use that as your chance, if you, if you can afford it, cause I made sure to like, I just stretched Well, we were in pandemic too. So it kind of helped, but, um, save
1: your money. <laughs> yeah,
0: I did. Yeah, exactly. I was like, and I'm doing, I go to school pretty much entirely off financial aid. So I, I like stretched out my financial aid to kind of last me through the summer as well. Yeah. So I didn't have to work because I was really like, I don't want to be working. <laughs> I wanted to work on my art, you know, <laughs> to do this thing. So that's, that was, that's kind of that, that part of it. Um, yeah. Is there uh, I kind of lost my train of thought again. Oh my God, I'm all over the place. But uh, so th- <laughs> let's jump into, um, there was, some, oh, okay. This is what I wanted to ask you. So you just brought up um, what you kind of were focused on was before, was like you had a fashion interest, you and then you sounds like you had graphic design and a graphic and web was probably something you did more school focus on maybe where you, in your undergrad or where where does the yeah. graphic and web design come in? What like where is that? Yeah. yeah.
1: So when I was like a child, okay. um, I had the privilege. My mother worked for um, Boeing, okay. and they were able to like say here you can take software home with you to put on your home computer so i actually started with like macromedia um like products of like yeah. flash and you know the web designer and all that stuff so i was actually learning how to code in html when i was like a child okay and i had so much fun with it and it kind of evolved into um graphic design then because you know it's like you can code colors and stuff like that type but I wanted to add images because I always, always like sketching and stuff too. Um, so that involved it to being interested in graphic design. And then my friend, um, my best friend at the time, she was like, I'm going to run this guild on, if you're familiar with the website Neopets, okay. <laughs> it's like a children's site. I'm going to run this guild talking about fashion. Like it's like a little fashion editorial <laughs> thing on this site. Um, So I started getting into fashion through that. And we were like hyped up on like the coolest couture and stuff coming out. Um, Despite being like a tomboy, total tomboy, (laughs) like a weird (laughs) split here. (laughs) Um, So then when I, you know, rushing through middle school, high school, um, I, I, a lot of my focus was in fashion and fashion design. Um, And then uh, when I hit college, like I said, no real fashion program there. Um, and I fell in love with graphic design again. Um, and that's, you know, after I graduated, that's what I did for seven years before applying back into an MFA program. Okay, good. So
0: that that's, that's awesome because I think it allows me to ask this next question in a way, which is probably something you've heard too many times already. But since you do have a foundation in design and now you're going to school for an MFA where What has been the conversation around art and design and how do they work together for you or where where does where do they live on your spectrum of art of art making um and like yeah uh, let's start there and if I need to I'll kind of ask more questions
1: right yeah and you know coming into this program um there was this kind of feeling of like being an underdog because i had a design background and it was like more more of a fine arts centric program at ucsb right um uh and so i also am still struggling on how to exactly meld what would be conceptual art and graphic design there's obviously like tons of, like, examples of, of how those could meld existing, but I haven't found quite the niche in which I fit. Um, and so, you know, it, with the work that I've already done, I'm incorporating, like, practices I've learned through going, you know, going through design programs of, like, how to think about things, how to structure things, how do you arrive at ideas and concepts, um, and then you know, applying those design principles to what I'm doing as like a fine artist or more of like a conceptual artist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of visually, I don't know if I've successfully melded the two yet in a way that, that I am happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it does help, like my design background helps immensely in terms of like how I present mm-hmm. and create my work, right? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the tools, And the techniques that I I can utilize and have experience Mm -hmm. in, like you know, photography and how to, you know, how to Photoshop things together and how to, you know, use all these softwares and stuff like that. So, I'm
0: gonna so I'm gonna relate to what you said because in a in an interesting way, maybe possibly. So you said you are you feel like an underdog, and to me, so like I applied to San Diego State University and I was looking for like how to apply and, and they you kind of have to pick a department to apply to we have like a bunch of departments and one of them was the graphic design department and that's where I ended up applying to was the graphic design department and I'd not because I because partly because I was told that you just apply to a department and then you do whatever you want so there, there was this kind of thing but it turns out that wasn't really the reality of it it's more like oh you apply to a department and you kind of that's really influences your your kind of time your career as a graduate. So, okay. and so what I started to learn was if I added that graphic design piece to being in art school, it totally changed the perception of what people thought of me. And like if I just said I'm going to get my MFA in art, they're like, "Oh, that's cool." Or depending who I'm talking to is like, "Oh, that's cool," you know, what you know or whatever. It's neat. But if I added like graphic design, they they kind of did this. Oh, yeah, oh you're not a real yeah. artist, you know. Yes. It's like
1: <laughs> it, a- absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I I anticipated that kind of reaction. Mm. Um, you know, just being cautious and guarded, entering into this cohort of like strangers, right? Yeah. Um, I assumed there would be some sort of like hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but I've actually found none of it. Yeah. which is oh, that's uh, good. really wonderful. So I'm stoked. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I actually, I avoid saying it nowadays. Like I don't even, I mean, I do sometimes, it just depends on the situation, but whenever, yeah. you know, sometimes like, let's just say an example, like we're all in a zoom class and there's somebody new that we're all introducing ourselves to like, Oh yeah, uh, I'm Zim and I'm in the whatever department, like somebody would say painting or I'm sculpture. I've been here for two years or so. I'll just say I'm, you know, I'm a two year graduate. It's like, that's all I'll say. I won't say what department like, because I don't want it to like filter like the thought of like where it fits or whatever, but.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I struggle to find where the disconnect is between, you know, fine art and commercial art. You know, I, I understand working in, you know, uh, corporations for years. Like I understand like, you know, where it could lie, where the divide could lie. But if you're somebody who is coming into a program, you know, pursuing something where it's more conceptual, or, you know, you're more working through theoretical things, like, I find it interesting that people still hold on to these, like, beliefs of uh, that craft or commercial work is somehow lower um, on this hierarchy, right?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we're having uh, that. Uh, maybe every MFA program has these conversations over and over and over, but we're definitely having this one in my school because San Diego State has been historically really well known for its, it's uh, like what we call applied design, which is like woodworking and jewelry making and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, has like, so because it has this legacy in those departments it just kind of creates this interesting dynamic around what they mean and all this stuff. Yes. It's yeah. Interesting.
1: The, the, the desire to classify, and this goes from like identity to, you know, to practice, you know, the whole gamut. Um, the, the urge to like put people in boxes is like so strong and like so prevalent into these Weird binaries, which is like something I have been like thinking so much about this this first year. Um, but I'm like, why do we need to put people in boxes? <laughs> why? Like,
0: I want. I have two questions based on that comment. First one is, do you feel how? So I guess the question is, how unique or how? Do you feel like people want to be put in boxes more than not? Do you think it's more unique to not want to be put in a box versus be put in a box? I think, do you think we take it for granted as being artists and immersed in this world of uniqueness that we kind of, that's maybe what we think most people want? But in reality, more people actually just want to be put in a box. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: I think, I mean, you see this even if you, you know, you go on Instagram, you hit somebody's profile, they have like their age, their race, their interests, their things, like they're defining, they're carving out this idea of them that you could just like, like, it's like bite-sized, like I know who you are immediately, right? Um, And I feel like we've existed in this way for so long that it's comfortable. And so, yeah, I think to some, you know, for most of us, it's more comfortable and we desire to to be put in a box, right? We don't have to, you know, it, it's much easier to kind of like make assumptions of people based on what, you know, what mm-hmm. box does they put themselves in, right? Um, rather than, I don't know, discovering a, a whole person after a long period of time, right? Um, oh, What was that other question you had?
0: Well, I didn't ask you it, but Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah, as artists, too, I, I'm curious about that. Because I, I feel I feel like a lot of artists I know, they kind of stick to one or two things. Um, yeah. And I don't know whether that's, um, you know, pressure, as you get in, you know, further in your career, the pressure to continue to sell pieces, based on what what sells, right? Like, I have to stick to this one thing because people want this and they don't want my other work, Right. Um, And I'm not sure if that's changing as we move into, you know, for future, the future, but.
0: That sounds that, I mean, from my influence that what I've heard, that seems to still be a pretty strong factor in what you decide to do is, Once you start to do something that gains on on many levels, it's like either you get stuck in it because it's just you've you have stuff and you need to support a lifestyle. So you're stuck in this lifestyle or you're worried about if you're more of a creative type like we are, you start making this thing that gets some kind of interaction or reaction and you and you're like, well, if I change, then people won't buy it. You're worried about or like whatever. Yeah, no, that seems like it's a very relevant um, idea for sure
1: yeah that like self
0: pigeonholing i guess right oh my gosh we're almost like an hour into this this was like one of Ooh. the crazy so i haven't even got to so i don't know we might have to like just do like a round two for sure at some point sure. um i just looked up and we're like 50 minutes in so uh, well that's cool this is awesome i love it i love it um so based on that idea what you just mentioned um, you, in one of your, like I said earlier, you changed your website. And I don't know if it's still on your website, but I saw on one of your lists or something, it had this phrase, fight binaries with binaries. And I was wondering if you could talk about that and what that means to you and how, how you do that or, or what, like, if there's anything more there to kind of like dissect.
1: Right? Yeah, I'm still on this journey of trying to understand binaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like you know, as we start to, you know, a lot of my work deals with gender, um, and, and race, and it just feels like we're just creating more binaries, (laughs) you know, like, and, and I don't know, I, I I don't have an answer for you right now, because I'm still going through it, Yeah. but, um, it just feels like this unnecessary thing that we're all on this train of, like, self-definition and identity politics and it's like does this really matter in the end yeah you know and it's it's you know i'm not commenting on i'm commenting on my own work and my own like headspace because as you've seen like most of my work is like i'm talking about these binaries i can't escape them right like but i want to so i'm trying to get there
0: (laughs) yeah i i don't know if this relates but this is what i'm thinking of is you know i have this kind of thought about you know there's nothing is an absolute you know there's no singular the only thing i could the only thing i've even come close to thinking is any kind of singular idea is like uh love you know i think l- when you think about love but then there's then even love has many diff- different definitions but it's like but everything else in the world it's like and so when you start to think of binaries it's like you haven't you it's like almost like this this Fight of like wanting it to wanting to justify it the the least amount of possible scenarios you know and it's like well it's it's not it's like infinite there's infinite i don't know that's yeah yeah
1: (laughs) i i tend to like or sometimes i introduce myself as kind of like this amoeba blob you know that like changes and you know forms into different things all the time so i'm like just like, don't try to form an opinion based on, like, my appearance or yeah. whatever, you know. So, I'm I'm more and more getting towards this, like, I'm just a blob. View me as a blob.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think I... I mean, I don't know. I feel like I relate to you in those ways because, like, some of what we've been talking about, when you brought up that kind of Instagram profile idea, and, like, I think I... Well, there's been time i don't know what i um am how i am perceived now as much but there's been times in my life where i just feel like i was like written off as like this kind of frat boy kind of looking guy mm. Wear a hat all the time i was like but i'm so like anti that thing like what i look like and what i feel and am inside of me is like totally and i i actually love that contradiction like people mm. have this kind of like thought of who they think they know i am and then they learn yeah. oh oh, I like to sew or I like to do this or I'm into this other thing. And they're like, that doesn't make sense the, from the person I thought you were. And yes. I- <laughs> yeah,
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, before coming to an MFA program, I did not do a lot of like philosophical reading. Um, So, but, you know, in this time here, I've been reading like um, Roland Barthes and he's you know, his fashion system, work on fashion, and then also to like, Um, semiotics and like how everything is coded and we're all interpreting things based on kind of like a universal language. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think, I I think of that um, in terms of like, we all have these like stereotypes we all follow. Right. And then when you break them, it's kind of like, Oh, either it could be a pleasant surprise or a not so pleasant surprise. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: How are you doing with time? Can we go like another, 10 20 minutes, yeah, yeah,
1: something. that's totally fine.
0: Okay, I want to jump. I don't know how much, maybe it'll be another five minutes, but like, um, like a, we've gone, we've talked more than I normally do with not even going into my questions. <laughs>
1: it's good,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, the one thing I just want to go, let's, I want to go back to this MFA kind of idea for a little bit, just just to because I feel like it's important to get this into the conversation, just um, like again, maybe you said it already, but, uh, if you could just to say, like, what was the thought process of deciding to go for your MFA? And then why did you, um, pick, um, UC Santa Barbara? Um, yeah, those two, those two questions.
1: Um, so when I graduated from, um, undergrad, I did want to go, you know, I still wanted to go to school. Um, I loved, learning I love being in a school environment I still like I, I want to pursue teaching after this like I just really enjoy this academic environment um, and so I had a mentor um, who recommended to me to not go directly into MFA from you know BA and he you know his, his kind of words of wisdom were like go out And work for as long as you possibly can until you can't stand it anymore, and then go back. And I am like so grateful for that advice because, you know, in those years, I really came to understand myself better and what I actually wanted for, you know, a later career, right? When I first got out of um, uh, undergrad, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go into the fashion industry and I'm gonna do graphic design for life. I love this stuff. And then by the end of it, I'm like, I hate this. Like yeah. <laughs> this is not where I want to be. So, um, that was, that was definitely the best advice I had received. Um, and in terms of choosing UCSB, you know, I had been looking at cause I was working full time and I was like, maybe I can do an online program while I'm working because you know, it's like I gotta pay bills, got student loans, so I was like, maybe I could do that. So I looked into a couple of online stuff and I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Like it's all like reading web pages, right? It wasn't like what we have now where it's like we're on Zoom and like interacting with people. It was all like text-based learning. So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think I learned well this way. So then I shifted to like look at the local schools in California. I think I looked at every single <laughs> program, MFA program, um, in my research to see what what would fit nicely. And initially UCSB wasn't on that list, Um, but I had heard from uh, a couple of people about the kind of more rigorous kind of TA system they have. So, you know, my assumption in most programs, you're kind of sitting in a class and helping folks out, you know, helping the professor out In class as a TA, right? That was my assumption in most MFA programs. But at UCSB, like, you're essentially, you're teaching. Um, They kind of just throw you in, and you learn pretty fast on (laughs) how to teach, right? And so that experience alone was, like, shot UCSB to the top of my list, because I I really love working with students. Um, Before I went back to school, I worked at um, the college I graduated from, and I was I had the opportunity to hire student assistants to work with me um, and it was so much fun. Like I loved working with students. So um, that kind of like motivated me to, to really pursue um, a master's to be a teacher right at the college higher education level. So.
0: Cool. I, was there any, I mean, did you in that, in that kind of path of discovery, was there any kind of um, awareness of the kind of polarization, like what I think is a polarization in going for your MFA for art versus being an artist versus being a teacher? And did you see, like, you know, anything like that? And, And that's probably what helped gravitate you toward UCSB because I think I was advised from, like, I asked my undergrad professors, like, this is what I'm thinking of doing. You know, I want to go to grad school for art. Do you have any advice? And all of them, I had four of them. I asked all of them. Says, don't mention you want to be a teacher. Like, yep. So I don't know. Maybe sp- nope. Spend some time. I heard
1: that. heard the same exact advice. Really? So I didn't mention. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, obviously, I'm not going to spend this time and money getting this degree just for that like yeah i really wanted this opportunity to spend time developing myself as an artist amongst other amazing artists right
2: yeah.
1: um and like we were talking about earlier like being in a critique setting being able to show work and like really the main focus is that right but the added bonus of like having so much experience teaching mm-hmm. was like okay we're good, you know. So it's kind of like you have like a backup plan almost, right? Either way, <laughs> yeah.
0: what has been the experience of and the workarounds or or how has it affected your practice and 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 studies? The Zoom world we're in, this distance world we're in. Um, how has the your your institution and your classes solved some of the problems or not solved yet? um, showing work and, and, and critiquing, like you said, and like talking about work without always being able to see them in person. Um, what has come up for you around that?
1: Um, so in terms of like what the university is doing, um, we're still trying to find ways to show work. I mean, in critique, we can send things, you know, you know, via email, like here's what I'm doing and stuff like that. But Um, we're still trying to figure out ways to, like, just use what we have, right? Um, There's a couple of folks that are exploring, like, VR, you know, gallery spaces. Um, We had an online uh, first-year show last quarter where we all just made our own web page to show whatever work we wanted to show. And some folks, like, made some really fun and cool, like pages, like site pages um, that I wasn't expecting, you know, it wasn't like, you know, when you go onto somebody's portfolio site, everything's clean and like, you know, just I don't know, segmented, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, some folks really had fun, like using that platform to show a more in depth, uh, like, like view of how they worked, what they were working on, etc. Um, and then we're we're discussing things like, um, I don't know, like exchanging mail art, like, you know, doing like a round robin of like, okay, one person makes a mark, the next person makes a mark and stuff like that. Um, we've seen examples of like projection art where you could just set up a projector and plug it in, you know. So we're still still trying to figure out a way to make the best of the situation, but we haven't quite nailed in or honed in on on some stuff that we can do
0: from my research of you it seems like you are fairly comfortable with video in terms of like using it for documentation using it for i don't know a lot of different ways of using it um do you feel like that comfort possibly has been an advantage for you based on in this kind of moment we're in versus some of maybe some of your other students feeling because i but from my experience, there are certain some students that are, you know, they make their sculpture or whatever. Or they make these physical objects and they just feel helpless in being able to show them. They haven't embraced really any kind of other way right. to show the work. But I don't know. Have you see, experienced any of that? Like, do you feel like your ability into this was faster than some of your cohort or anything like that?
1: Probably, um, I I can't say that I'm like like I don't have any professional experience doing video stuff, so it's all pretty like <laughs> here's my phone, yeah. like yeah. I'm going around.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Um,
1: But yeah, I feel like some folks, you know, aren't aren't as well versed in maybe video, but they're more than fine taking photos of their work, yeah. right? Um. So, but I I feel it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a little bit um, this quarter where I'm like, I used to be such an introvert, like super shy. And then I don't know, maybe the demands of like this online MFA program, like I have really put an emphasis on like trying to over remote on Zoom and like make it feel, you know, put in a lot of energy into it, even though it's already super draining as it is. Like, even if you're just sitting here, like watching things, you know, that zoom fatigue is real, but putting in like this almost performance in which, you know, I, it's become natural now. Yeah. Um, I feel like has really benefited me as a person. Um, so kind of like feeding my own energy back in. Does that make sense?
0: No, it totally makes sense. Cause I agree completely, especially I haven't had to be really in a, teaching role yet too much. I'm TAing, Mm -hmm. I'm doing like things where I'm presenting and doing stuff, but I haven't like had my own class, but my theory a little bit on, you know, we're, we're in this zoom world is it's like, there's something to be learned from like what's happening on Twitch. um, Yes. In terms of like how to present things and the people that kind of, the similar, whether they do it on purpose or not, the 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 instructors and teachers that that would work well on Twitch it was like oh they could be a Twitch streamer it's like it's like that's like makes sense for this environment we're in so and i think it relates to what you just said like the the acting of what you do is different
1: yeah and and you know i i i want to also say too it's it doesn't mean i'm forcing it right yeah. like i'm not playing a character I'm just having to over emote my own like reactions and emotions like I just have to turn the volume up a little bit um almost like theater you know where it's like you have to make bigger gestures wear you know more saturated makeup you know for the folks to really see it right um so I kind of compare it to that almost
0: has there been but
1: but yeah it's it's a wonderful comparison to to talk about Twitch and YouTubers and all that stuff, I feel like if you're familiar with that world, you kind of already know how this goes, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I had, I'm gonna tangent. I'm gonna share a little self experience. So, at the, when the so I was in school last year, the pandemic kind of happened in March. Basically, we all got kicked off campus in March. Toward the end, in April, I think it was. We have this. I, I was the lead on this speaker like project to bring speakers to the school. Um, is called design week. And there was, I think we ended up getting four different designers came and talked about their practice and stuff. And so we had to transition it onto, you know, zoom and stuff. And, and luckily, like it was kind of one of these weird synchronistic moments. There's been a lot of, this is going to be too long of a story if I go into this, but there's been a lot of moments like this that are synchronistic for being a grad student for myself. Like the choice to be a grad student. is like, there's been all this weird, like things just work out moments and this is one of them. Um, and it was because I've been doing podcasting, but also I have a YouTube channel I've been hustling for a long time. And so I then had to do this presentation over this format. And my professor, the lead of my department said, um, man, you're you're a natural at this. And I was like I was like, well I kinda kinda have a little practice. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like so it's just I don't know. I, I, I guess what I'm just saying is, yes, it helps having that understanding of the YouTube culture, you know, already talking to a camera and that kind of thing.
1: Yes, yeah, no, for sure. I've heard that a, a couple of times, too, about me and some other folks. Like, it's just, it just comes naturally. If Like, I didn't do any YouTube or, you know, talking head stuff before this MFA experience. I was actually, like, hesitant to do any of that kind of stuff. I don't know. I still am like, I'm still shy in that regard. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: but, uh, yeah, I think even just, you know, watching those types of videos, you're familiar with it. Right. So provides you a little bit of a (laughs) a leg up. Maybe
0: (laughs) what has been, if you have anything yet, I know it's just your first year, but what's been the hardest part or what's been the, has there been any other struggle maybe besides, some of the pandemic stuff is of making the choice of being a graduate. So you kind of already when we started this part of the conversation, you mentioned how thankful you were with taking the time off um, and is like before you started your graduate program. And that's that's kind of like sometimes the angle I look for for this part of the question is like what is the advice from your experience that you would give? because um, I like to potentially give, the holistic view of what it means to be a graduate student and like you know whether it be you know maybe that maybe this if you're have anything about the school like oh i thought i would have more access to this thing and it's not really happening um but you know that's just the way it is it's good to know that that's not a thing that happens here or yeah or it's like oh figuring out how to pay for it like for myself i like made money not the obstacle a lot of people say i can't afford it so they go like they don't even try but I have this philosophy around that, like saying, like, I'm not going to make that the obstacle. I'll, I'll just figure that out. I don't know. So if you have any, like, a, advice for this process um, at all, or just some kind of holistic viewpoint, what would that be if you have it?
1: Yeah, yeah. We kind of, I think you had touched on it a little bit earlier. Um you know, I had more time to work on my artwork while working full time than I do now in an MFA program, right? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that some folks may not realize, you know, going into an MFA program or applying to one. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's like the nature of the pandemic, right? Because I started it in the pandemic.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if it's, you yeah. know, I if that would be different if we were in person probably not (laughs) but um yeah realizing that it takes a lot of effort and um intentionality in like carving out time to work on your art yeah um they don't give it to you there's so there's so many opportunities for you know events and and you know, you have so much class and you're reading and you're TA and you're doing all these things. And all of it feels like higher priority than your art practice.
2: Yeah.
1: And you have to like, forcibly shift your art practice up. Like we said earlier, right, I sacrifice my sleep <laughs> in order to shift it up on the hierarchy. Yeah. So um, which, you know, I I try to balance things out. Um, and I felt the first quarter I had absolutely no time to work on my artwork. But this quarter I've kind of gotten to this like space in which, okay, you have two hours before your next class. Guess what? You're doing artwork. Yeah. Like, no goofing around here. So I totally,
0: I totally agree with everything you said. Um, the way that I've visualized it in a way is your work is all consuming so it'll fill up every other space that you're not doing something else so it's really what how what where is your intention around the work that you want to make you could go to art you could be a graduate and work full time or whatever work but you're realizing you're you're taking away the space that you have to actually do work so it's going to affect the type of work that you're making and it sounds Absolutely. like you're you're the type of person that is going after this to be the best artist you can be um, and so if that's your intention, you know, every minute outside of being in class could possibly be filled up with, with it because it just to, to ideate ideas to do all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, can't agree yeah. more, can't agree more with how you said that. Um, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that also too was a big influence on choosing an in-person, Yeah, supposed to be in-person, right? <laughs> Program versus an online one and working, you know, part-time. It would have just one more thing to take away from the experience, right? When you yeah. should be immersing yourself totally in it.
0: So are you working still?
1: Um, I did some freelance over the break, but I don't I just don't have the yeah. brain power yeah. to be able to work yeah. um, on top of the TA work I'm doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. so it kind of feels like I'm still working, but I'm still gaining the experience I wanted, right?
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i um like, like i said earlier most 90 well all of my school is pretty much financial aid so it's allowing me not to work but i still am picking up side jobs here and there like freelance i guess you could say which is and they're totally like i understand i'm a grad student so they're not just piling work on me but i still like having those outside of school projects to do um but yeah no that's i was wondering if you could uh well, this will be like the last question. I think I have two okay. more. I think I think we'll have like two basically more questions, so a few more minutes. Um based on based on what I saw some of your like website early website and the kind of um, I wanted to talk about your studio space, but also in a combination of where you're working right now and the, the behind the scenes aspect of things, it seems like you really are comfortable with showing the process and the behind the scenes. And I wanted to see where where that comes from, Is there's an intention behind it or if there's like what, like, cause a lot of artists don't like to show that. They only like to show the fi- yeah. the final piece. Um, so if you could talk a
1: little bit about that. I think it comes from a couple of different places. One major component to me sharing um, my process of things is that I absolutely love to learn. And so a lot of the times I learn from just watching folks doing what they're doing and then I can try to to do it on my own, right? So I find that to be super valuable. um, So I don't have any like qualms or like reservations in sharing what I'm doing. I'm more of like a share the wealth of knowledge kind of person, right? Um, and then in terms of like, I don't know if this was kind of the angle you were referring to, but I, you know, a couple years ago, I got really obsessed with trying to grow my Instagram following. And I was like, looking up how to do it. I'm like, how do these people have so many followers? Mm -hmm. I got like unhealthily obsessed with it. (laughs) I'm glad to say I'm like moved past that phase. Um, but a lot of what I saw was like, every photo has to be perfect, right? Your Mm. feed has to be totally like color-coded. Everything is designed like in this crazy, I don't know, high expectation of perfection. And I I was like trying and trying and I was like, you know what? Like screw this. Like I don't need this in my life. Like my studio is messy. Like my life is like not neatly like Instagrammable. (laughs) So I've just been like, Screw it. I don't care. <laughs> People can judge my mess. So I don't care.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I mean, we're not going to do it, but I could totally go on a whole another half hour of just what you just brought up with yeah. that. Cause I, I mean, I'm on the side of the spectrum of social media and Instagram and all that stuff where I feel like it's, well, for me, it's important. And I want to understand it and I want to use it and hopefully help, help, help find, find a way to make it something that helps, my lifestyle and my sustainability as a human.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah.
0: So, but, and I have lots of theories on how it works. I have not, I'm not successful. I'm, I am. I'm how should I phrase this? I'm not <laughs> like, I'm not like, uh, I am successful, but it's very small success at this point lowercase s success yeah. it's good <laughs> but i'm working on it i'm hustling i'm doing it
1: success is whatever you define it to be right so oh,
0: oh. yeah that's a whole see that's a whole another gosh we could talk we're gonna have to do this again because uh, we, we there's just so much you're a great guest and um you're there's so many things we can go on but success is something i spend a lot of time thinking about because i see it as a fluid kind of definition i don't see yeah you know, definitely like, um, the last question, last question will be, um, do you have any, I mean, there's been a lot of great adv- advicey type of things throughout this conversation and like, you know, mindset kind of things. Do you have any like personal mantras or meditations or thoughts that you live by or share with people on a regular basis or have written down on one of your lists somewhere? Um, like a, like ways to think about the world and life and helps you personally get through. And if you know somebody else that needs some advice, you tend to give them that kind of advice.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking about this yesterday on a walk because I, um, I saw somebody had spray painted some words on the sidewalk and I was like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to do this of like things that, you know, would encourage people in this hard time. Um, and I didn't get too far on it, but I, I found myself reflecting on like some things I used to repeat in my head a lot Were like, it doesn't matter. It'll all be okay. Right. Like, you know, it's only in this moment in which you're suffering and once you get past it, you'll be fine. Um, but a lot of times now I find myself saying, look out for your number one, which is you. Like I find myself, you know, saying yes to everything and stretching myself super thin mm. because I love helping people, but um, I get like, you know, this personal satisfaction out of it. Right. Um, so, but I, I find myself, you know, in times of like, why do I do this? Like, <laughs> so, and I, you know, a lot of us in this MFA program, I'm sure feel that, that like stretching, um so I I feel like a lot of times I'm saying like you know it doesn't matter like as long as you take care of yourself and like don't hurt anybody else in the process like you're good like just take the time for yourself it's all good we'll respect you still like mm-hmm. you're not going to you know hurt us by saying or setting your boundaries right mm-hmm. Yeah so I find myself saying that a lot That's
0: great <laughs> that's good advice um yeah, that's good advice. I was we'll leave we'll leave it at that. They um <laughs> it's a couple of things. Uh first thing is I you know, definitely we have to do this again for many reasons because it seems like we just have <laughs> lots more to say. But also I'd like to check back regardless, maybe in a year or two, um see where things have changed or what's going on, or like like Either. I like to see these as like time capsules in a way, like this oh, yeah. this moment this hour and a half or whatever we ended up doing was, you know, what happened today, but even in another hour or tomorrow, it could change. You know, it's like, yeah. this is, we're
1: act- going to look back on it and cringe yeah. be like, Oh no, what did I say? Yeah. Hey, who knows?
0: Maybe. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so that's, that's the thing. So let's do that. And, um, you know, and then also hopefully we'll be able to meet in person someday soon. You know, like,
1: I know <laughs> Hopefully,
0: <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I mean, we're all in California right now. So, We'll see how that happens. Um, uh, so look forward to that, get a cup of coffee or go, we could go out to see some art or something, you know, go.
1: That would be wonderful to like meet everybody who is in the show Yeah. That would or be even cool. if there was like a, you know, California MFA wide, like yeah. just, let's all get together yeah. and like celebrate.
0: <laughs> That'd be intense. That'd be cool. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Um,
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: I am going to stop the recording, but don't go anywhere. Um, Thanks a lot again for being a part of this. Uh, you are amazing guests. I uh, look forward to the next one.
1: Thank you for having me. You bet.
0: All right, here we are at the end um, of the podcast. I actually did think of something I'm going to tell you. Well, first let's do credit real. It's credit real time. Patreon.com slash you uh, are, uh, These are all the current active supporters of the podcast and everything. It's uh, Rowan Chamberlain, Michael Knapp, and Matthew Bocker. Thank you so much, everybody, for kicking it and doing the thing. All right, if you want to be on the credit reel, then just check out Patreon.com/thezim. And t- it starts at a dollar and goes up. So whatever you want to contribute would be awesome. Let's do it. Okay, this is what I'm gonna tell you. Today is Saturday. I have decided to start a 30-day fitness challenge. Did I talk? About, did we talk about it all in the podcast? I don't know. I don't remember. Lots been going on, but anyways. So hopefully by the time you're hearing this, I have done at least my first first installment of uh, running. I'm doing like I have a. I wrote down a list. So this is my this is my um, Monday through f- Monday through Sunday. This is my kind of general guide. So every Monday I want to go for a run. Every Tuesday. I found this YouTube guy that does these like YouTube workouts. So I'm gonna do his workout. And then on Wednesdays, I'm gonna do a yoga kind of stretching thing. And on Thursdays run, Friday YouTube, Saturday run, Sunday, a combination yoga and short run or something like that. So that's that's my hope to do. Um, and I'm gonna do that every, every week for four weeks, basically 30 days working out. Um, and I'm not eating sugar and I haven't been eating wheat for a long time, but I'm also not eating wheat. So hopefully the combination of doing some intense workouts and eating super duper healthy will help me kind of get toned a little bit more. I don't know if 30 days will be enough time, but hopefully it'll get me kick-started so that maybe I'll do it for 60, 90 days. Like, let's keep it going. So maybe you can help me stay accountable, check in with me, go, Zim, what's what's going on? Are you still like, are you still kicking it? Are you still doing the workouts? And I'll be like, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, until next time, be loving, kind, and patient. Peace.